I just wanted you to see that as somebody who took their marriage vows, obviously, to another level. And uh, just an amazing young lady who shared those vows formally in front of all those witnesses and the family. You know, vows is kind of our, obviously, our subject today, uh, taking oaths and keeping our promises. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, it, because it's Valentine's Day, it's kind of fun to go back and rethink, remember your day, for those of you that are married, uh, especially those days when you took those vows and how important they were to fulfill them. And uh, so we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at what Jesus wrote in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount uh, called the Message from the Master, and this week the title of the message is Promises, Promises, and um, Jesus addresses this whole matter of keeping our promises and being truthful and honest. You know, we have a, a sign at our house that says, be truthful. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That's from our great theologian, Mark Twain. And, uh, and I think this is all about being truthful and being trustworthy this morning. So join me as we look at the uh, passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made with the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven or for it is God's throne or by the earth for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. But, or excuse me, and do not swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair, white or black. You see, part of the problem was historically when they were saying oaths to God, it was one thing. But when they were taking oaths with people horizontally, they were using these other mechanisms to swear by. And a lot of times it was just the front for manipulation and and issues there. And in verse 37, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You know, um, Jesus really wanted the people to understand that just because uh, you make an oath with somebody horizontally does not let you off the hook any more than you make an oath to God. And so consequently, he really uh, nails them uh, just like uh, he did earlier in this sermon where he talked about adultery and murder and divorce, where it was more about the heart than it was about the actual action in and of itself. And so Jesus is trying to take people back to the motivation of their heart once again by when you make an oath, are you really sincere? Do you really grab a hold of of when you make a promise how important it is to fulfill that? And so we're going to look at that a little more deeply with some other passages of Scripture this morning. But this law that he was referring to comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21. And it says this, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. So what was going on here, this was a vow that was made to God. But what Jesus was trying to take it a step further and say, look, let's go deeper here. When you make a vow to God, that's one thing true. But then when you make a vow to other people, that should be just as consistent and well thought out when you make those kinds of promises. So that was the problem that Jesus was trying to address. So this morning, we're going to look at how to live better by by making the promises that we can keep. So I'm going to give you principle number one. And this comes out of Ecclesiastes. So we're going to look at some other passages of scriptures that addresses this issue. The first one is this. A person who doesn't keep their vows, God sees as a fool. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Now, he's talking about calling people a fool. What does that really mean? It means that this person lacks wisdom. That's to put it nicely. But initially, what he's saying is, idiot, foolish one, you know, you're acting rashly. You're, You're acting impulsively. So when you make promises, when you say things, you better mean it. And so he says, don't do that because God sees you as being acting very, very foolish. That's principle number one. Here's principle number two. If you want more trust, then make sure you have counted the cost before you make a promise. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter five again. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything to God or for that matter, as I put in parentheses, to anyone. How many times have you made maybe promises or made statements to people that were hasty, that weren't really thought through, where they were, they were not really bathed in prayer or in terms of consistency and, and, and basically the sincerity was missing. And so consequently, you've made these rash promises and you failed to count the cost of what it would cost if you didn't follow through on that. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25, it says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. You know, we need to make sure that when we say things, we really mean them and to not say something rashly. Uh, Somebody brought up to me in between services, you know, typically here's one that happens often where a parent will say to a child, if you do that again, you know, you're going to be punished. There's going to be some discipline. Well, if you don't follow through on that, pretty soon your kids realize that you don't mean it and they're not going to respond to that anymore because you're saying something and you're not following through. So that's principle number three. Excuse me. You're better off not to make a promise than to make one and not follow through. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5. He says, it's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Have you ever had somebody come to you and make a promise and they don't follow through? And then they say, oh, you know, I promise I'll quit or I won't do this anymore. And they still don't do it. And then it happens over and over and over again. Pretty soon their promises just become empty. And pretty soon you kind of become cynical and you really don't believe them anymore. And what I think the implication here, you're better off just not saying anything and just doing it. Just follow through. Just make sure that you, you show some consistency in the way you live and the way you act and, and, and stop with the, with the mouth. Just do it. And as we do it, we begin to rebuild trust in somebody's life. So I think what, what Solomon's saying is you're better off not saying anything than to say something and not follow through because it just ruins your reputation. Here's principle number four. A promise should not be a bargain to gain somebody's blessing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever kind of made a deal with God? saying, God, if you'll bless me here, you know, uh, the, old, the old story, if you, you know, make this deal go through, I'll give you 50% of the deal or, you know, you've heard those stories. Have you ever made a deal with God? You know, there was a guy in, in the Old Testament, a judge named Jephthah, who, who really made a deal with God. And, and the deal was interesting because what he was, he was in a battle with the Ammonites and he wanted to ensure a victory over the Ammonites. And so he makes a deal with God and here's the deal. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me, when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Guess who walked into 
the front door? His daughter. He had to sacrifice his daughter because of the vow that he made to God, the deal that he made. So sometimes we make deals and, and what we end up doing is sort of trying to manipulate a situation to get our way. And, and so, you know, not that Jephthah was insincere, but he should have counted the cost long before he made a deal like that, not knowing what could walk through the door. But he was trying to position himself in such a way before God that he would get his way. And so oftentimes, have you ever had anybody do that? Have, you, have your kids ever done that to you, by the way? Say, hey, mom, dad, if, if I make sure that I keep my room clean, can I get uh, an allowance? Can I, can, I get a, can I make a deal with you? Have you ever had those kind of things go on in your life? So sometimes we, we use vows to make a deal and, and necessarily it can be very, very uh, costly in the end if we're not careful. So let me just ask you some questions about promises because as I looked at this and I looked at how serious Jesus was about following through in our promises, some questions came up in my mind and this is the question that first started out with me is, is this, is it ever okay to break a promise? Is it Okay. Is that possible to break a promise then if it's that big a deal? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, uh, let me give you a little background here. Paul was, was uh, intending to go to Corinth the second time to visit the people. And he told them that he was going to do that. And they took it to the bank. And so Paul, uh, because he didn't go, he was accused of being fickle, double-minded that he wasn't following through and he was lacking integrity. But Paul had to come back to them and say this, because I conf- I'm confident of this, I plan to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I plan to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make my plans in a worldly matter so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. See, what happened is there were some circumstances that arose with Paul where he couldn't make it to Corinth. And when you go back and you realize that he was very sincere and did not take that decision to say to the people at Corinth that I'm going to be there, I'm going to show up. So his intentions were pure. It wasn't like he was trying to manipulate or do whatever. He had pure intentions. But sometimes in life, circumstances change. There's something that gets into the way of that. And there's a roadblock. And consequently, you look like you're being fickled when you don't follow through. I mean, it can be as a simple thing as much as telling your kids to say, hey, well, after church today, we're going to go get pizza at Bill's. And then somebody or other family says, you know what, we're headed over to Cupper's for lunch. And uh, so you want to come over there and say, yeah, we'll go to Cupper's. And then you get in the car with your kids. And you say, dad, you said we were going to, right? You're going, we're going to pizza. Well, things have changed. Dad, you lied. Have you been there? I mean, this is what happens. Sometimes circumstances do change and you have great intentions. And Paul makes it very clear that I had strong intentions and I felt led to do that. But the Holy Spirit interceded and kept me from coming. So I'm not here to tell you that I'm this fickle, double-minded guy. I'm very sincere about my yeses and nos. But it does really share, tell us something that when we do that, and if that happens frequently, we still have, can create doubt in those people's minds if we're really sincere about our decision making. 
So we need to be careful. And it goes back to the idea that we need to be very careful when we make a promise, when we make a decision, that we, we put a caveat in there or something to say, you know, yeah, kids, we plan to go to pizza unless something comes up that changes our plans. So you need to understand that, kids. Okay, you got that? Okay, now the kids are okay because, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You've made a little caveat. So it's just kind of a way... To, uh, to deal with things. And so even though uh, it, it was really a test of Paul's credibility here and he had to defend himself in that regard. However, it was allowable in that situation because the circumstances obviously did change. Here's a second thought. What does it really take then to fulfill our promises? What's it going to take to for follow through? You know, how many of you struggled with this? I mean, you made New Year's, some of you make New Year's resolutions right every year. And, and you say, I'm going to do such and such. Or you, you make promises to people in your marriage and so on and so forth. And you, you feel like you're just failing a lot of times in fulfilling some of those obligations. So let me give you four ways that I think you can help you really fulfill the promises that you make. The number one is this. Make sure that your commitment is in conjunction with God's will. You know, what Paul was really saying when he, when he said that he didn't weigh this lightly, he was really searching God and asking God what would be the next step. And so he was convinced that that's what God wanted him to do. And that's where it really needs to start. We need to have some sort of conviction from, from uh, the Heavenly Father in our lives that when we make some big, big deal promises and vows, that we make sure that this is God-ordained. This is what God really wants us to do. And that gives it a whole lot more oomph, if you will, more power in that promise. That's why when we go into a court of law, it says what? Do you swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth? What? So help me God. I mean, that's the point. And so we need to make sure that especially those major decisions in our lives where we make vows or we make promises that it's really in conjunction with what God wants because Scripture again tells us, you remember when I talked about it last week in a marriage situation, the Scripture says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So if we're convinced that this is what God's ordained, then it makes it a lot harder for us to break that particular promise. Here's the second piece. Define as best as possible the level of commitment it will take. Sometimes we make promises and we don't weigh out, what's it going to take? What kind of discipline is it going to take? What, how many hours is it going to take in the day? How am I going to rearrange my schedule? What's it going to involve in order to really follow through? And if we don't measure that out in front, chances are we're going to end up blowing it. We're going to become inconsistent because we fail to realize, wow, you know, I've made this decision, but man, I never thought of this. And I never thought, oh man, and, and now I look really stupid because I'm not following through. So make sure that you understand what kind of commitment it's going to take in order to follow through with those vows. When that gal shared her vows with, with, with her wedding vows, you know, I hope, and I assume she did by the time she, she wrote those, to realize what, what's that going to take? And maybe she didn't get it all because, you know, you're blissfully getting married. But when you realize, when you get married, you realize what a level of commitment it takes to take those vows to the very end, right? Till death do us part. Here's the third thought. Make sure your expectations are within reach. You see, when you look at what the commitment it'll take, there are certain expectations. And we know that the distance between expectations and reality is stress. And also, when you have expectations and there's no reality, the people around you look at you and think you're a flake. Right? Because you're making, you're making decisions that you know way that you're going to fulfill. And so, consequently, you have all these expectations and so do they. And when that doesn't happen... It's just breeze disappointment. 
So make sure your expectations have have some reachability. Don't throw expectations out on the table that you're never going to be able to accomplish. I mean, if you're going to say, I'm going to lose 100 pounds in a week, it isn't going to work, right? Not unless somebody does some pretty radical surgery, all right? Fourth, develop a system of accountability. That's where a lot of times promises and vows go bad because there's a lack of accountability. And so if you don't put some sort of accountability in your life, that's why people in AA, that's why people in in, in Drug Anonymous, all these various support groups, make sure that there's accountability. There's somebody out there who's asking those hard questions to keep you accountable to fulfill those promises. So those are four ways to kind of help you if you're struggling oftentimes with being consistent in your life to follow through. Here's the third thought. What if you have a reputation of not following through on your promises? You know, you may be one of those people. I don't know what's being said. Have you wondered what's said in the corridors and halls of the workplace? What they're saying about you or what people are saying about you and the family? You know, dad makes these promises, but he never follows through on them. You know, he talks about we're going to take this vacation. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We never seem to do it. Or you're at work and, and, and you're, you're working in the office and somebody says, you know what, that person has a reputation. You can't trust them. If you, you, you can't trust them because they'll say they're going to get this thing done and they don't get it done. And what really happens, it's really interesting, when somebody really feels like, you know what, I'm going to get it right this time. And so you say, no, this time I'm going to follow through. I promise. And you're like, people that have seen your reputation, they say, yeah, right. Right? You know people like that? Nah, I don't believe it. And so it goes back to this idea, you're better off not vowing and just doing it. Because here's the deal. Uh, Tim Parker told me this a while back, and I really like this. When you want to be trusted, you want to regain trust in your reputation of not following through, you need to understand that it takes time and it takes truthfulness. Time plus truth equals trust. Time plus truth equals trust. So the point is, you need to have a somehow a level of consistency over a period of time. If you expect people to believe you and to trust you, does that make sense? So you're better off saying, listen, you know, uh, like a lot of times, you know, your kids will do this to you. Well, I was, you know, I cleaned my room this week. Oh, well, let's see a little consistency here, you know. But you read immediately because you cleaned your room this week, you expect that, you know, you don't have to have a curfew. You know, you know one of those things, you know what I'm talking about? So it's like if you don't build a reputation of being responsible and truthful, people aren't going to trust you. It takes time. So don't expect it to happen overnight if you've had a bad reputation. Here's the, another thought that I had. Um, how should you... I'm sorry, question number four is, should promises to people carry the same weight as promises to God? And the answer is yes. I mean, that's the whole reason why Jesus wrote this and preached this sermon. Because he's saying, what you've done, you're taking maybe your, your oaths to God pretty seriously, but you're just blowing it right and left and taking people for granted all day long. And essentially, you're not showing any integrity. And I want you to know that keeping your promises to me and keeping promises to people are equal. They're, 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 they're the same. You need to have that same reputation of consistency when it comes to people. And that was the problem of the day. They were not following through on their promises with people. And they, got, they felt like, well, you know, we've kept the law. We're okay with God. But, you know, with people, we can kind of get away with whatever we want. And so Jesus said, time out. 
So should promises carry as much weight? I think they should. I think they should. Here's number five. How should you respond to someone who has continually failed to keep their promises? I don't know about you, but when I have somebody that I know that I can't depend on, that is totally a flake, who I don't trust anymore, I know I get kind of cynical. I get a little sarcastic. Can you relate? You think, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe a word you're saying. And so consequently, what happens is we start getting maybe a little bitter and we, we just kind of blow them off and we, we don't give them an opportunity. But, you know, aren't we supposed to treat people with grace and mercy? Not that we need to throw the door wide open of trust, but we need to be willing to at least open the door a little bit at a time and set some boundaries so that when people really do demonstrate some consistency, we can embrace that rather than be cynical. And I know for some of you, you've had a lot of disappointment in your life where people have broken promise after promise after promise and you just feel like you want to quit. You don't want to show them any more grace or any more mercy. But then some days, sometimes it comes along and they finally get it. And then sometimes because of our sarcasm and bitterness, it's too late to be able to give them the kind of love and mercy we need to get. It happens a lot with divorces. Where after a while, you know, somebody gives up in the relationship. I'm done. I've, I've had it. You're, you're, not, you're, you're not following through. You're, you're not meeting expectations. You're not fulfilling your promises. And at some point, you just check out. And it's sad because oftentimes when that other party finally gets it, when it's too late and you've already backed off and said, forget it. I don't trust you anymore and I never will. So it's really critical that we, see, to, we maintain at least somewhat of an open door. To realize that people, yes, they can change by God's grace. And we need to be careful that we don't just write people off completely. Hopefully, keep praying and keep hoping and be patient in regards to the reality of their commitments. So how do we close this? I think it's really important for us to answer questions like I always do at the end of these things. And I guess the obvious question is, are you a person who keeps their word? What is your reputation? Uh, You know, it'd be really good to ask people around you that are close to you. Perhaps it might be somebody in your family that knows you really well or at work. I mean, go go to the people around you and say, hey, what's my reputation? Do you feel like, you know, I can be dependent upon? Do you think I'm a reliable person? Do you think I'm really trustworthy? It might be helpful to even ask because how do you know sometimes what people are saying behind your back? But the question is, are you that kind of a person? Have you, have, can I trust you? Have, you? have you got my back? When you say you're going to follow through and do something, do you really follow through or, or are you irresponsible? And I say this to young people and kids. You know, when you tell your parents, you know, I'm going to do this or I'll be home at such and such a time. Are you there? Are you home at such and such a time? Can they trust you? Because with responsibility, the more responsible you are, the more trust there is, the more trust, the more freedom you have. Amen? That's the way it works. Secondly, If you've been disappointed by somebody who has a reputation for not following through, what steps are you going to take to keep some boundaries? You see, one of the problems is there are some relationships where people don't follow through and they never do keep their promises. And yet you're so codependent and you want so bad for the relationship to work, you just let them walk all over you and you just accept it. And so consequently, what you failed to do is to be able to say, wait a minute, you know, this person needs to be more reliable. 
And, and so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust them. I'm going to open the door of trust, but I'm going to set some boundaries along the way to make sure that they're following through. I'm not going to just swing the door wide open and get hurt again because they just don't follow through and do what they say they're going to do. So what are some of those boundaries that you might consider in your own relationship where you may have to kind of set some, some, a few barriers here until you see some consistency based upon their behavior? Here's the third one. Is there somebody in your life where you have failed to follow through? Is there somebody that, that, that was counting on you? And, and you go back in, in history or even in your family life or whatever, even frequently recently, and you've said you've made a promise or you said a vow or whatever, and you've really disappointed somebody. And maybe you can't go back and redo it, but maybe it's time to apologize and say, you know what, when I failed to do that, I really, I'm so sorry because it really disappointed you and I know you were expecting more from me. And, and, and not make excuses and whatever, but be able to just say, you know what, I know it was a huge disappointment to you and, and, and I, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to do better. And, you know, and, and if you've had a history of that, sometimes those become pretty empty words. But re- in reality, sometimes we forget that when we don't follow through, somebody has an expectation. Somebody's out there who, who believed in us and you, you failed to meet up to their expectations. And you may need to, number one, go to the Lord, start there because you've disappointed God and act foolishly and you need to go to them. And you can trust God that he's going to forgive you. Hopefully that person will respond well to you as well. So that's the story, what Jesus was trying to get at in his sermon. It's not an easy message, but in reality, it's all about truthfulness, isn't it? It's all about being trustworthy. It's all about integrity. And so this morning, I trust that it's been helpful for you so that we take more seriously the things that comes out of our mouth from day to day, that we set up people for disappointment when we don't follow through. So let's keep our vows, amen? Whether it's our marriage vows, whether it's the vows that we make or promises that we make with our kids or our our mate or at work, we want to be known as reliable and dependable. You know, you can bank on it when that person says he's going to follow through and he does. That's what God wants. That's what he wants, consistency in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for reminding us again, Lord Jesus, you just hit the nail on the head with this Sermon on the Mount. You keep firing away at us, reminding us that these laws... We're there for guidelines, but God, you want the heart. You want our motives. You want what goes beneath the surface. And so, Lord, I know that we often take seriously our deep vows and commitments to you. But God, sometimes we don't realize how lightly we take those promises and things that we say to other folks. And God, I pray that this morning we would always take those more seriously because of what you've said. So we commit that to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.